journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shavua Tov and welcome to 101.9 High FM. I am Adol Kazilski and I'm with you for the next, uh, what, 50 minutes, I think? Yep. 45 minutes and we're going to be learning Torah as always, tripping through the Bible and this week, well yes, this week now, we are at the pinnacle of an absolutely dramatic story about Yosef and his brothers. If you've been following, we've been seeing how uh, Yosef, our, uh, our forefather Joseph, has been framing his brothers, trying to ascertain if they indeed are able to stand up for their brother Benjamin um, better than the way they did not stand up for him 22 years prior to that. And we finished off where um, Yehuda, particularly the, 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 the brother that took responsibility for Benjamin, went and first of all pleaded with Joseph, that he should give allow Benjamin home, that he himself was happy to stand in his stead. And at the same time, he started showing a tremendous amount of physical force um, and saying that he would be happy to destroy the entire Egypt in order that he fulfills his promise that he will bring his brother Benjamin back uh, to his father in one piece as he had promised his father. And it was at that point in time where Joseph realizes that, in fact, he has to um, he has to call a spade a spade. The brothers had done tshuva, they had repented, and that it was time to forgive them and reveal his true identity to them. So if you're following in, in a chumash, we are on Genesis chapter 45, we're verse 1. Ch- chapter 45, verse 1, we're in the parsha of Vayigash. And here is the da-da-da moment. Before we start the da-da-da moment, remember, you can always chat to me on 34519 or on Telegram 061-895-1019. I love feedback. I love questions. I love comments. So, hey, don't be shy. Please join the conversation. Right. Verse 1. Velo yachol Yosef lehit apek. Yosef could not hold back his emotions. Lechol hanitzavim alav to all those that were in his attendance. Vayikra, and so he called out, Hotziu kol ish me'alai, let everyone leave my presence. Velo amad ish ito behit vada Yosef etechab, and no one stood before him because Yosef was about to reveal himself to his brothers. So he says to everybody, scoot skedaddle, please get out. Um, uh, just everybody leave the room. And you could just imagine now the brothers sitting by themselves. Um, they were probably pretty nervous. Now, um, remember, just by the way, at that point in time, that um, there were many Egyptians in the room. Because remember, last week when we spoke, we said that because Yehuda was showing his strength, and they had called in the Egyptian army. Um, and 
they, they had been pretty frightened by Yehuda, but they were there. Now, why did he ask that they clear it out? Okay, well, the first and most important of it is that he didn't want to embarrass his brothers. And he also didn't want to spring the news um, that he was Joseph on them suddenly because shock could kill them. Now, um, the Torah actually speaks about that. And the Talmud says that if a person has been away from home for a long time, he should not suddenly enter his house without warning because such shock can kill. And gosh, I, I, I am a uh, recipient of that. There was one time my son was away um, in Yeshiva overseas and he flew in um, without me knowing. I was minding my own business in my lounge and in walked my son. I thought I was going to pass out. It was quite a... It's quite, it was quite a shocking experience. Shocking, you start, I burst out crying. Um, it, it really was quite an emotional uh, thing. But really, in truth, can you imagine now that um, that that Yosef had been away from the brothers um, for so long? So it wasn't that my son came back after six months. Second of all, he had not spoken. He had not spoken to to his brothers. For so long. Third of all, he had been pretty nasty to his brothers. So that made him into kind of like an enemy. Um, and now suddenly he's going to reveal himself. So in order not to shock them, he asked everybody else to leave. And you will see how it is that he, he actually eases himself in. Also, um, there's another point, and this is a very, very important one. And that is one is not allowed to embarrass another. One is not allowed to put anybody in an embarrassing position. And if one does so, it's considered as if you kill them. Because we know what happens when you get embarrassed in public. You have a uh, a flush, a hot flush that comes upon you. You become very red. What do you say? I nearly died. And it is exactly that. You almost nearly die Okay, from the embarrassment. And hence, he who embarrasses a person in public, it is as if you kill them. And he certainly wasn't going to want to embarrass all his brothers in front of the Egyptians. And so he asked everybody to, to, to leave. And we are told that he actually eased his brothers in. But what I want to do is I want to read to you um, like an entire bunch of verses, probably from verse 2 to 13. I'm going to read it to you um, and translate, and then we're going to go back and I'm going to tell you what the Midrash says on this encounter, because what we read in the text and what read, the, you know, the story behind the story, um, we do need to rely on Midrash. So let's just quickly zoom through verses 2 to 13. His voice gave free uh, rain, weeping. He started crying. The whole of Egypt heard about it, and the whole of Paro's house heard about it. Meaning this breaking news was so wow, was so overwhelming that the whole of Egypt heard, heard, heard it eventually. Yosef said to his brothers, Ani Yosef, I am Joseph. Ha'od Avichai, is my father still alive? 
ולא יכלו אחד לענות אותו, כי נבהלו מפניו. The brothers were so startled, they couldn't um, answer him. ויאמר יוסף אל אחיו, and Yosef says to his brothers, Geshuna Eli, please come near to me, the Gashu, they came near to him. Vayomer Ani Yosef Achichem, I am Yosef your brother. Ashimachatem Oti Mitzrayma, you sold me to Egypt. Vaata, and now, Alta Atzvu, do not be sad and Veloyichar Benechem, don't feel guilty in your eyes. Kimachatem Oti, because you sold me, Heina, here. Because God sent me here in order to sustain you. For it is only two years into the famine. And there's still yet another five years that there's going to be um, no reaping and no plowing and no harvesting. And God sent me before you. God sent me before you so that to ensure your survival um, in, in the land. I lost my place. And I will be for you a great salvation or a great deliverance. And now, you didn't send me but God sent me and he made me um, like a father to Paroi and a master of his house and as a leader, as a ruler over the whole land of, of Egypt. Hurry up, go up and to our father and say to him, Ko Amar Bincha Yosef, so says your son Yosef, Samani Elokim La Adon Lachol Mitzrayim, um, I have been placed as master over the whole of Mitzrayim, Rida Eli, Alta Amod, come down to me, don't tarry, don't don't stand still. Yashafta Be'eretz Goshen, you will you will um, dwell in the land of Goshen, Vahayita Karovelai and you will be near to me, Atta Uvanecho, Venevanecho, you and your sons and your sons' sons, Vetzoncho Uvekarcha, Vecholashelacha, your flocks and your sheep and everything that is with you, Vehichalti Oti Otcha Sham. And I will sustain you here, Ki Otcha Meshanim Ra'av, because there is still five years of famine, Pen Tavaresh Atta Uvetcha, Vecholashelach, lest that you, um, Become destitute, you and your family, your, and your house and everything that is with you. And behold, your eyes see the ene achi binyamin, and also the, uh, the eyes of my brother binyamin see ki piya medaber alechem, who is actually talking to you. And you will tell to my father the honor that I've got in Mitzrayim, the et kol asher item, and everything that you have seen, umihartem vehuradatem, El Avihena, so hurry up, go down to my dear father. Gosh, how absolutely dramatic. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Okay, so look at that absolute drama, okay? Um, and now we need to go and dissect it because one of the things that, that one needs to understand is when one learns 
the Bible in its authentic, its original Hebrew. One is going to be picking up much more nuance than anybody, including myself, is translating. Okay, because as we know, the Hebrew language is the language of God. It is the language in which God created the world. We attest a tremendous amount of power to the Hebrew language. It Kabbalistically has a lot of spiritual power. And it also has a lot of meaning and um, numerical uh, uh, significance to it. And so when we're looking at the words, we can pick up certain nuances and certain things that allow us to understand much deeper um, in the very olden days, in the times of the temple, all of this was handed handed over. This knowledge was handed over father to son um, orally. But after the destruction of the second temple, the rabbis deemed to write the oral Torah down so that it would not um, get lost. Now, now we know when I'm telling you that I'm teaching you Midrash or anything else, it is from a written book, but it's the written book of the Oral Torah. So let's go back and look at what, what was said and dissect the verses again. So the first thing that, that, how did Joseph really break it? He didn't go, hi, I'm Joseph. Is our father alive? Okay. How, like that, that, that is as shocking as you absolutely get. There was an easing in. So the first question was, how did you really ease in to say, I am Joseph? The second question is, why is he saying and asking the question, is my father alive? You just heard the pleading of your brother Judah saying, I cannot, I will not, there is no question that I'm not taking my youngest brother's Benjamin back down because my father is alive and if I do not bring him back, I will be killing my father. So why are you asking again, is my father alive? That's question number two. The first time he says, and this is in verse three again, I'm referring to, to verse three, I need Yosef. I am Yosef, is my father alive? If you look at verse 4, he says, I am Yosef, your brother, who you sold to Mitzrayim. Really? Well, why are you saying it? Why are you adding in the thing of brother? What was going on here? You said, I am Joseph, is my father alive? Then you say, I am Joseph, your brother, who you sold down to Egypt. Why are you repeating yourself? And why do you have to say your brother? Like, hello, you know what I mean? If you've missed your family member for 22 years and they had a lot of remorse over the fact that they had lost him for 22 years, why ask that question now? And then more so it says, Vayomi Yosef el Echav, Geshuna Eli, come close to me. The Igashu, they came close. Well, where were they? We just learned a verse ago that he tells everybody in the room, please leave, and he leaves his brothers. So obviously his brothers are near him. It's not that they left the room and he said, come here, I need to talk to you. Where, where did they have to go that had to be close? Also then what I want to analyze is the way Joseph frames the entire story, an incredibly powerful lesson that we can learn. But let's, let's go back. Let's, let's start at the beginning. Right, what really, really happened? So Yosef, because he was cognizant of the fact that one cannot just suddenly go, Hi, I'm Joseph, okay, as the verse, as the verse says, and that's why it says, He gave, uh, gave 
free reign to his voice weeping and everybody heard, there was a tremendous amount of emotion in the place. And the Midrash actually goes and tells us what that emotion was about. Yosef didn't want to scare them. He wanted to prepare the brothers for the, his, the revelation. So he says to them, the Midrash says, you told me that Benjamin's brother is dead. Is that certain or not? To which the brothers replied, yes, your excellency, we are sure he is dead. To which Yosef replied, how can you lie like that? You told me before that you had sold him as a slave. You had come into Egypt to look for him in the various neighborhoods. How do you know for sure he's dead? Because I've got news for you. I purchased, I purchased him as a slave. And I can call him right now. And with that, Yosef started calling out, Joseph, 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 son, Joseph, son of Jacob, come here immediately. Come and speak to your brothers. Imagine the brothers, ladies and gentlemen. Imagine the brothers. <laughs> They're sitting there. Joseph is like, his voice is filled with so much emotion the whole of Egypt can hear. Everybody has left. He says to his brothers, you don't know for certain he died. I'm telling you he's alive and I own him as a slave. I'm going to call him. Now just imagine this in your mind's eye. The brothers are now looking around this, I guess, very big room. It's only them and Yosef. And Yosef's going, Joseph, 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 son of Jacob, your brothers are here. Come talk to them. Okay? And they're getting very emotionally hit up. Nobody yet has actually worked out what is going on. And then they probably looked back at Yosef incredulously and says the Midrash, it was at that point in time um, that he says, I need Yosef. I am Joseph. Like, stop looking around for him. Here I am. I'm Joseph. And then he says, is my father still alive? Okay, now... <laughs> I want to add in a few things. I want to go back to, to, to answering why he said, is my father still alive? But I want to go back in your mind's eye that I'm trying to create the moment where they're going. They're, 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 they're sitting, by the way, the verse finishes when he says, is my father alive? They were unable to respond they were so startled. They were so, they, they were gobsmacked. They were in shock. Imagine, imagine not seeing your family for 22 years. And unbeknownst to you, been standing in front of that family member now and being chastised by him and his life being made a misery. And he goes, hi, it's me. You just lose, you lose all sense of speech. And that's what happened to the brothers. Now look what it says in the Ma'am Loez. The brothers became so startled they groveled at Yosef's feet. And our sages teach the following important lesson from the incident as follows. Woe to us on the day of judgment. Woe to us on the day of reprimanding. For Joseph was the youngest of the brothers. 
and they were so confused to answer him when he revealed his identity. What are we mere mortals going to do when we stand before the King of Kings, the Lord of the universe, and he reveals himself and demands that a person be presented before him for judgment and reckoning? How are we going to behave? God is going to call out the individual and say, why did you not set time aside for Torah study every day? Why were you not careful to wear the, your, the, uh, the, the small talit, the arba kanfot, the tzitzit every day? Why did you speak in the synagogue, a place where the divine presence rests? How did you swear by the name of God and his holy Torah? How did you spread slander? How did you speak losh and horror? How did you destroy, destroy people's re reputations? How did you steal and cheat or take somebody else's clothes off as, off his back as security for a loan and torment him until he's paid? And so says the Midrash. The questioning will go on and on, including all the sins that the person usually commits without thinking. How will a person be able to stand before God at such a time? And so they draw this analogy just for you to actually understand. At over 120, there is going to come a point where we are going to have to stand before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, before the Holy One, blessed be He, before the King of all kings, and He is going to reprimand us. Now, if Yosef's brothers were so startled that they, that they, that they had no words, the word, words were like stripped away from them, what are we going to say when we have, unfortunately, the accusations stand before us? And in fact, the Midrash says that the brothers felt so terrible that they literally died and God had to resurrect them miraculously. It's just a thought. You know, um, we kind of live our lives all the time thinking that no one is seeing, no one is hearing, nobody will know, don't have to tell a word. But there will come the day when all will be revealed and in fact, we don't even have to wait until 120. We are told that when Mashiach comes, all the good and all the bad will be revealed and everybody will be revealed for who they really are. So since Mashiach hasn't come, sadly, um, we still have a window of opportunity to correct and fix up that which is not very pleasant inside of ourselves. Um, but Take this as an understanding and a teaching. Right. Let's go now um, on to understanding this whole thing. I am Yosef. I am Yosef, your brother. Come here. Is my father alive? All of these things. So when they heard Yosef's announcement, the brothers were so ashamed because after they had, after they had, um, kind of like lost all matter of speech. Then they had an embarrassment, a feeling of being ashamed, guilt. Everything started coming out because OMG, look how this all has ended. Now they've got the brother who is the most powerful, the most influential person in the whole of, of of Israel and now he can do whatever he wants with them because now the cards are all on the table. Everybody knows who's who and they are nothing. They cannot 
they cannot extricate themselves out of what it is that they've done, and they are ashamed. They're embarrassed to look at Yosef. So again, in your minds, I imagine that they're sitting there in this room. First, the wind is knocked out of them. They are, what? And when they get to realize that they're looking at their brother, they grovel on the floor, they hide their faces, they cannot look at Yosef. So what does Yosef say in a brotherly way? He says, come here, come closer, meaning don't run away, come closer to me, I'm your brother, don't, don't be frightened, okay, because, and that is why, the first reason, there's quite a few reasons, that is the first reason why the first time he said, I am Yosef, they went, they fell back, then he says, I am Yosef, your brother, come close, Okay, come close because I'm your brother. Don't, don't, don't ricochet backwards. So the first reason why they ricocheted back, backwards was because they were dying of embarrassment, dying of guilt, dying of, of, of the enormity of the situation. Yosef says, I am your brother because, and, and so you can come closer to me. So that is one reason why he swaps with Ani Yosef and then Ani Yosef Achichem. Another is, is that they didn't believe him. And you could understand that they wouldn't believe him. Like, this guy has made your life a freaking misery, and then he suddenly says, I'm Joseph. How are they supposed to know he's Joseph? Maybe this viceroy from Egypt was just putting a fast one on them. And so he says, come closer, because the Midrash goes and says that he revealed to them his Brit Miller. He showed them that he had a bris. To go and show them, I am a Jew, and I am one of you. And this was the only sign that he could show that that that, that would would ascertain for them that he was in fact a Jew. So that's the second reason why he says, "I'm Yosef." They don't believe him. He says, "Come here close," and then he reveals his Brit Miller to them, his circumcision to them, and he says, I am Joseph, your brother. Look at me. I am circumcised as much as you are. IFM, 101.9 megahertz of life. There's a third reason um, why Joseph tells him to come close, and that is a whole thing to do with excommunication. When the brothers sold Joseph, okay, they realized that they had to swear each other to secrecy. Because if any one of them revealed the truth that they had sold Joseph, as opposed to the story they were going to tell Yaakov, they would get themselves into hot soup. So they made an oath, a neder, that any one of them who tittle-tailed or spilt the beans would land up with the punishment of cheyrem, excommunication. Now, now is not the time and place to discuss excommunication um, on a broad level. Suffice it to say that excommunication from a Jewish point of view um, is as such. We, the Jewish people, are one body. Spiritually, we are souls that make up one body. We have some some souls that function like the head, some that function like the heart, Others are doers and they are the legs. Others are chesed givers and they are the arms. 
But each and every one of us make up a cumulative um, body of soul, a body of souls, um, and we're all connected one to each other. Hence, we say, every Jew is responsible one to another. If a Jew does not behave um, in a fashion that is expected of him, and only under certain severe, severe circumstances, a a uh, a sentence of cherem can be imposed upon him of excommunication, which means that he is severed from the body of the souls of the Jews. Um, practically today, that this is like meted out, for example, when we would have a belligerent husband not wanting to give his wife a get for year on year um, and being really, really belligerent about it. The Beth Din can go and put a harem on him. How that translates um, in practicality is then he's not invited into a shul, he cannot partake in a minion, he cannot have a, uh, a, a, a be called up to the Torah and various other things. Now, what the brothers had done when they had taken the oath, they went and said, you will be cut off from the life source of the Jewish people if you spill the beans. Now, one of the rules of um, excommunication is that when one is also excommunicated, one cannot have contact um, with them. And so they made this entire harem, okay, um, about not spilling the beans. Joseph goes and kind of reveals it, and they know that they're under this harem thing, that they dare not discuss it, they not indulge it. They didn't really trust Yosef at this point in time, um, that he really was Yosef. And so they they took a couple of steps backwards because they wanted to kind of like remove themselves from this situation. They, they couldn't discuss it. They certainly couldn't discuss it with this still-called stranger, Okay, because they had made this vow that it was never to be discussed and no one was ever allowed to spill the beans or have any type of communication. So they ricocheted backwards. They ricocheted backwards now for three reasons, says the Midrash. One, they were embarrassed. They were aghast. They were astonished. They were full of guilt. Uh, the second was they ricocheted backwards because, hey, they didn't trust this Oki that was telling him now that he's Joseph because he looks completely different to, to the way he, they remember him. And the third is, they had imposed a harem on, on each other that you're not allowed to discuss it. And hey, they weren't going to discuss it in front of this guy. That's why there is the second one that Yosef says, I'm Yosef, your brother, come here. Come close, I'm your, Yosef, your brother. So Yosef saying, I'm Yosef, your brother, come close, was replying to all three. Don't be embarrassed and don't feel guilty and don't feel astonished. Come into my embrace. I am your achichim. I am your brother. Come close to me. I'm going to prove to you, my brother, I'm going to show you the Brit Miller. I'm going to show you the circumcision. And thirdly, come close to me, okay, because even if you have been in a situation where there is a harem, you need to know that when it comes to a What's the name? It comes to a, uh, a brother. Even if a brother is in home, the closest relatives can come close to him. So on all three, he replies that I am your brother now. Come close. Like, and that's how he responded to all three problems that seem to, to, to come up. Now, why does he ask, is your father alive? There, I don't want to go into it a, a, a lot. 
but there is an entire question about when people are shluchim, people are messengers for, for other people, okay, and they come to deliver something, the status quo is, um, the status quo is that they, uh, that, that they're considered, considered alive, but it could be that they passed on and it, it's a whole long thing. So again, he just asked to be sure on the status of thing, is my father alive? Because right now in your minds, the whole thing is upside down. You believe your father is alive and I am dead. I am now proving you that I am alive. So now I've just got to ask you the question, is my father not dead? So that is why he mentioned his father again. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but due to the constraint of time, um, we're not going to continue on, on to that, right? Um, Joseph obviously saw that his, uh, brothers were completely contrite and he began to speak them, speak to them gently. And those were the verses we just read now. And this is an, such a powerful lesson, dear listeners, that I want you to take it to heart. Yosef, if we put him in 2020 in a modern day setting, he could be a traumatized, PTSD, anxiety ridden, angry, mad adult. And rightfully so. He was abandoned by his family. He was traumatized. He was in slavery. He nearly was seduced by Potiphar. He was thrown. He was a prisoner. There's all of these things and then um, fame and, and, and money has, like, could have gone to his head. But what we see with all of that is that Joseph didn't suffer the vicissitudes and the difficulties of his horrible life. And only for one reason. And that reason is that he believed that God was guiding him wherever he went. That irrespective of the fact that it was his brothers who sold him into slavery, irrespective of the fact that uh, Mrs. Potiphar acted terribly, irrespective of the fact that prison life was terrible, irrespective of all of blah, blah, blah. All the time he saw that it wasn't by the hand of he who su- that, that caused the suffering that he suffered, but that if there was suffering, it was God sent. And at all, all moments of his life, God was, was looking after him. And this is the powerful, powerful message that he passes on to his brothers now. He's kept on saying, remember now, they're sitting in a state of embarrassment, a state of guilt, a state of uh, shock. I, I have no words. I, I, I don't know how to say. How do we say sorry to you? He didn't say, say sorry now. See? See, he didn't go, see, I told you, see, I, I was right and you were, look, I should, look, none of that. He went and said all the time, through the verses we read, God sent me, God sent me, God sent me. And he keeps on repeating it. That's the only reason I am here today where I am. So don't, don't, don't be angry, don't be upset, don't be shocked, don't be anything. God has prepared the way for you. God has prepared the, the way for, for the Jews to come down to Egypt. And this was also, by the way, kind of like the cherry on the top of, 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 the, of the emotional um, mountain that was created. They realized when it eventually settles that Joseph is now the fulfillment of the prophecy given to Abraham at that covenant between the parts where he says, you will go down to Egypt and be slaves for 210 years. They came to understand that this whole 
incident was the hand of God and that Joseph was there in preparation. And that's what Joseph says. Come down, come down to the land of Goshen. I've been sent before you to sustain you and to deliver you and to look after you. Don't lie and die and and disappear from deprivation and, and, and destitution in the land of Canaan. Come down, all of you. Hurry up. Go up. Go fetch father. Bring them down um, because God has sent me here in order to look after the family. Now I have to ask you, is there ever been a time in your life where you've come to realize that everything that has happened to you to that particular date was because Hashem wanted you to be the right place at the right time in order to learn or do something that was important for you to do. Let me know. 34519 is the SMS line. 061-895-1019 is the telegram number. This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Just I want to finish off on one more point um, that we read in the verses that um, I read earlier in the show, and that is that he said to his brothers that he wants to give them the land of Goshen. Why the land of Goshen? Well, that was a province of the land of Egypt that was very, um, it was very fertile, and it was a beautiful piece of land. And who says that he had the right to give them the land of Goshen? Well, we're told that back in history when Abraham and Sarah went down to Egypt, and remember Abraham said to Sarah, pretend you're my sister. Uh, Pharaoh went and abducted her, brought her into the palace. God punished him, got leprosy. He then shouted at Abraham, why didn't you say it was your wife, not your sister? Well, the reason why he didn't say it was his wife because he didn't want his wife to be um to 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 <laughs> to be stolen, but nevertheless, in reparation for the wrong that Pharaoh had done, he landed up giving Sarah the land of Goshen as a gift. He also landed up giving Sarah a, his daughter as a handmaiden. That was Hagar, who eventually then became the concubine to Abraham. But having said that, he gave Sarah the land of Goshen um, as a gift, as part of a, a reparation package. And so now what we see is that Yosef knows about that and he says, come and claim that which is really ours, the land of Goshen. Bring father and all the children and all the sons, daughters, flocks and everything and let them settle in the land of Goshen. And while time flies, when you're having fun, that's where we're going to have to draw a line in the sand. I thank you all for joining me this beautiful Monday, wishing you a Shavua. Uh, Tov, a good week ahead, and please God, I'll be back next week. This is 101.9 High FM.